0: Now, the reading is taken from Mark chapter 15, verses 1 to 20, and that can be found on 1022, page 1022 of the Pew Bible. Jesus before Pilate. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus led him away and turned him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate but they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then wove a crown of thorns, and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. The Crucifixion of Jesus
1: A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple, and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that so we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him.
2: At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabaksani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there.
3: From time to time... uh in church life, I I use this phrase and use it quite often when we think about the needs of the world the church must turn its mirrors into windows to look out and see the need there are equally times when we need to do the opposite to turn our windows into mirrors this is such an occasion. In a mirror, you see yourself. And this is one of these services. Good Friday is difficult to get right. It's got all conflicting emotions. Just thinking about the flower arrangement, these lilies, yesterday were used for a funeral. On Easter morning, they'll be used for a celebration of life. Some of the things that seem to be so Conflicting and contradictory find deeper meaning as we reflect and that's what we are doing now. What I'd like to do is to use one word to try to help us think for the next few moments about Good Friday and it is this. It's the scandal of the cross. The cross is scandalous There's a striking verse in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22 which you don't need to turn to that speaks about the cross as a stumbling block for religious people, Jewish people and it is foolishness to Gentiles, to secular people. So in human terms the cross is a no-brainer whether religious or irreligious, secular or sacred. And how strange, here we are today and countless millions of people, the cross that's become a symbol of hope and comfort and much more. There is something profoundly enigmatic about the cross. So, it's foolishness to Greeks, stumbling block to Jews. Think about that for a moment. One can readily understand why the Apostle Paul would say that, even though he is advocating the glory of the cross. After all, to the Greek mind, to the modern mind, sophistication, philosophy, learning were exalted pursuits still today. What we will do for the education of our children. How could one crucified possibly spell knowledge? It's absurd and foolish. To the Jew, on the other hand, their cry was one to be free, a longing for freedom. And their history had. Reflected attacks by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and at this point, under Rome, the Roman Empire. Jerusalem had been rendered hopeless, and the people homeless. And in that context, ask yourself, how could a crucified Messiah possibly be of any help at all? Well, there you are. Let's stay there for a moment so that we think about this. Crucifixion was humiliating in the extreme. Indeed, crucifixion was so humiliating, so humiliating, that in the annals of Rome, no Roman citizen, whatever their crime however serious, would be allowed to be crucified. Now, you put all that together, just briefly, it seems strange that all the hymns and the prayers and everything is a focus on the cross. Something is happening. Stay even further. Crucifixion was so excruciating even for a supreme power who perfected execution, was so excruciating. And indeed, just stay with that one word, the Latin word ex cruciatus, means out of the cross. Out of the cross. So therefore, whatever, and it's hard for us to stand back from all of its spiritual connotations, just for a moment, crucifixion in history was a defining word for pain. Now, doesn't that give you pause for thought? Think of it. Humiliation, degradation, agony. And yet you see this one thing that will never go away whatever terms we use. And this is the point. Where is this this leading us? This one thing that we call sin, which we can so easily minimize, breaks the grandeur for which we were created. Something is fundamentally wrong with us. For all of our education and sophistication, something is wrong profoundly. Enter the cross, which bridges the chasm between human failure and the love of God. In the course of thinking about this, I came across a a delightful poem by the, the author and writer John Newton, the one who composed Amazing Grace. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this first for me. Just listen to this. Would that we have the gift of words and poetry with this former slave trader who became a vicar in the Church of England in Alney, not very far from here, and wrote some beautiful hymns. He's thinking about his personal experience and the consequence of the cross in his life personally. So this is a mirror poem, not a window poem. Begins. In evil long I took delight, unawed by shame or fear, Till a new object struck my sight and stopped my wild career. I saw one hanging on a tree in agonies and blood, Who fixed his languid eyes on me, as near his cross I stood. Sure, never till my latest breath, Can I forget that look? It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. My conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. Alas, I knew not what I did. But now my tears are vain. Where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I the Lord have slain. A second look he gave, which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is thy ransom paid. I died that you may live. Thus While his death my sin displays in all its blackest hue. Such is the mystery of grace. It seals my pardon too. With pleasing grief and mournful joy. My spirit now is filled that I should such a life destroy. Yet live by him I killed. He's really saying that it's his sin, that it connects with this cross. And we need to do that. It's a scandal. And yet at the same time, in the same verses, Paul goes on to speak about its sheer glory and wonder. So today, Good Friday, like me, I'm sure you will discover that it is sin that is the foolishness, not the cross. And this is the point. Our greatest weaknesses, great or many, our weaknesses are not an enemy from without, but from within. And that is the point of connection with the cross. This is the very reason then why Paul went to say that he preached Jesus Christ as one crucified. It is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. And we move from the scandal to the glory of this cross. And it finds a moment in our lives when we come to Him and confess afresh our need of Him. Finally, there are these seven statements, these seven sayings on the cross. The first three centered on others his enemies forgive them they don't know what they're doing the thief today you'll be with me in paradise John and Mary woman behold your son son behold your mother then this one central statement so you get three about others there will be three about himself and this one which seems Crystallized the scandal, speaks to his father and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The last three statements focus on his body. I thirst. On his soul, it is finished. And on his spirit, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And there it is. And we are here today, and it's Good Friday. I hope that as we reflect, but a little, not even on the tip of the iceberg, of the sheer glory of the cross, see it in terms of our hope And our redemption. And the glory of God working in our lives.